Oh man, that came rushing back at me all at once. But yeah, yeah. no, I almost I thought I was gonna uh, die in a plane crash in the North Sea this one time. <laughs> oh, no. At some point in your past, Blue, did you what? blind the Cyclops? Because that's <laughs> a pretty extreme curse. I mean, I I am Greek, so there's a chance it goes back that far. You told Poseidon to gargle your nuts one time, and he's just been fucking with you. <laughs> Sorry, probably should have timed that better. I could see you were drinking tea. <laughs> Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. Hello! And a very special guest, Mr. Dominic Noble. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of you guys' show. I think if you guys knew how big a fan, you probably wouldn't have risked inviting me. <laughs> but uh, it's too late now, so... <laughs> eh, you're here. We gotta roll with it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for those of, of our audience who do not know your channel, uh, could you quickly give a little introduction of what it is that you do and, you know... Um, the general vibes. As yeah, well. the, the, the gist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. That was the word um, I was looking for. Oh. My, my main show is called Lost in Adaptation. It's basically uh, comparing films that are based on books to those books to see how well they tied into the themes, the, you know, the messages, the, uh, you know, the, sometimes I, I sort of judge it word for word, but most of the time it's just, you know, is this the, is this the feel of the show if, versus the book? And so like that, I mean, I've occasionally been known just to review books as well, uh, if they're particularly terrible or cause me a lot of <laughs> suffering. Ah, yes. Fifth Sorceress, I recall. <laughs> God. Uh, awesome. Yeah, can well, confirm. It's very uh, so, uh, fun. So for those of, uh, of our audience who also know your channel, I, um, uh, they'll already know uh, why this podcast <laughs> is going to be great. But for those of you who don't already know, um, please go check out uh, Dom's channel. He's got a lot of really great stuff. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, one of your uh, more recent videos um, in a hot sec. Um, but first... Uh, Jumping back a little bit in time two weeks ago, Red, you had a trope talk uh, yeah. come out on the channel, did you not? I did. I had to check to see that that's what happened. For some <laughs> reason, time has felt a little bit stretched lately. But uh, yeah, I uh, had a trope talk about the smart guy trope, uh, which is fun. I'm very slowly rounding out the five-man band. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it went over pretty well. Um, mostly, I think, because I put Sokka on the thumbnail and everybody yeah, that'll do it. a good last airbender. Nice. Diatribe. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a good time. Um, I I keep noticing this whenever I do a video about any one member of the five man band. Is a lot of the comments are always like, "But how would you classify this specific group of protagonists as five man bands?" And I'm like, "Guys, guys, guys, <laughs> this is a losing battle. You cannot like claytogram this shit out. All right, <laughs> it's 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 writing. It's going to be kind of nebulous." Um, but I ran into that problem actually when I was scripting this because defining a character as a smart guy is not easy. <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah, almost, because yeah. It, it, it skirts a little bit of it's a role and it's a trait. Yeah. And like demarcating where one starts and the other stops and begins and stuff is tricky. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that a was big, a big part of the discussion, too. Yeah. And a big part of what makes it specifically tricky with the smart guy is that uh, a character's smartness can sometimes be kind of an informed trait. Like we get told about it, but we don't really get demonstrated it. And that kind of depends on the quality of the writing. And there's so many of the trope dogs boil down to, if it's good writing, it'll be good. If it's bad writing, it won't be. And I try to avoid making that the thesis of the video. Trope talk, get good. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's so unhelpful. But like, in the, especially in the case of the smart guy, it's like, how do you prove that a character is like clever and, and intelligent and puts things together quickly? Well, you have to show them doing that. 
But at the same time, it's like the writer makes themselves a puzzle and then solves it. You know, it's it's not it's easy to make it feel kind of contrived or or like, oh, the smart guy's just here to exposit and then makes a lot of unwise decisions. Although admittedly, high and low whiz builds are hilarious, so I don't really object to that specifically. I see you in there, Indigo. I see you jiving <laughs> Go around. Go to TTRPG anyway. build right up in here. <laughs> but um, yeah, exactly. it was uh, it was fun. It went over well. I had a good time. It was. Uh, possibly the least spicy trope I've talked about in like six months. Um, it's it's been a it's been a a, a buffet of of spice uh, over here on the trope talks lately. Yeah. There's been a fun assortment, I have to say. I didn't have to dunk on the MCU once in this video. Yeah, that no. already made the comment section about fifty percent more bearable. But um, for the sake of, of of bringing some spice to the podcast, where we were missing some in the trope talk, I feel like Dom, this is something that you would probably run into a lot dealing with adaptations, where characters who are smart in the book mm. end up getting very flattened in the yeah. film. And I have not seen enough adaptations and read enough books to like be able to like definitively st- say this. So I guess I'm asking you, do you feel like, have you seen this as a trend in, in adaptations where smart characters get dumbified as they make the jump to screen? I mean, it, yeah, it's basically inevitable in almost every adaptation, to be honest. It's, I don't know if just like people prefer visual comedy more in film. So a character who's just like baseline, actually pretty smart will end up being like a lovable idiot in the mm. film, like nine times out of 10. The Percy Jackson films are the first oh that spring the mind. Yeah. So, I'm also oh remembering gosh. the movie version That's of I Robot and what they did with oh. Susan Calvin. Like, she wasn't dumb exactly, but Susan Calvin's very, very sharp in the books and in the movie. She's mostly there to be like, That's right, Will Smith, I can play with the boys too. And it's like <laughs> Yeah, I mean she's for the most of most of the books, she's like a ninety five year old woman, so Yeah, she she's like yeah. old and craggy. She's one of the only yeah. complex female characters Asimov ever wrote because she's not attractive. Yeah. But he yeah, though iMovie gave me a aneurysm to be honest but i mean i i did i covered that episode back before i really did any research my videos i was like no i must make all my observations purely based on my own you know Mm -hmm. my own experience with the book and the film so i mustn't do any research i had no idea why i used to do it that way Mm. so i i didn't quite realize that the movie adaptation was basically not based on iRobot at all it was based on it was like an original screenplay that was just slapped the name on at the last minute. Really? So, they file the serial yeah. numbers on. That explains yeah. so much, actually. Yeah, it was called like Gearhead or something originally, I think. And then they, they were just like, ah, you know, screw it. Let's get the Asimov crowd in and just piss everyone off. I would that movie if it wasn't called iRobot, genuinely. Yeah. It's not that bad. I think Sonny's pretty endearing. Alan Tudyk doing a great job with the performance as always, but... Why did they have to call it iRobot? Yeah, I mean, the, the irony factor that the entire premise of the book is, let's see what could go wrong with en- in every possible way except a robot invasion. Yep, you know? yep. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I've definitely noticed that if you have a character who's like smart and clever, they will often... It, I can't tell if it's just the writer being like, I think it's more interesting if they're dumb. I think it's genuinely that it's really hard to write a convincingly intelligent character. Like... Even if you have a character putting things together very quickly, often that just makes it feel contrived because, you know, there is a bit of a pretense in the fact that it's a fiction, you know, the writer's telling you a story on some level, you have to suspend your disbelief and buy it. But like, if they propose a problem and then a character solves it, that's good. But if the problem seems completely unsolvable and then the character magically solves it, that loops back to being bad again. And if the problem's too simple and then the character really puffs themselves up about how cool it was that they solved it, that's also bad. It's like there's like a an inverted bell curve for Yeah. yeah. Was 
Red, there was a conversation that you and I had like years and years and years ago. This must have been like high school even. And you were telling <laughs> me that the way to write a smart character well is that you give them a problem and you as the writer take like a week or two to figure out a solution and like take your time, like think about it, like mull it over. And then once you have a solution, the character figures it out in three minutes. Yeah. And yeah. that's a good way to make a character like believably smart where it's like if you if you puzzle through it, you can't actually figure it out. It's not just that you give the, you know, the, the character magical knowledge of like, aha, right. the plot says that I must know this, but that you you just take the time, but then make them do that faster in, yeah. in the thing. I don't, I don't know if that really applies to, to anything or has any meaningful like bearing on this no, conversation. I, mean... I just remembered it and I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I should bring that up. That's actually that's <laughs> advice I got from my dad about writing. And uh, I it served me very well. Uh in part because the thing is one thing i said in the video is that you know it's just as hard for the writer to solve the problem as the character and that's not strictly accurate because technically the writer can cheat and make the problem solvable in a way that they already know about uh, it's like this isn't the same thing as you know if you write a mystery starting from the mystery and then you figure out a solution for it later like i i categorically think that that's a terrible way to write mysteries this is kind of the the opposite of that you know you write a problem but you know like okay yeah you can use like you can use the matchstick to like uh, do this near the the fire extinguisher, and that'll do this thing. To you know, you you can build the problem around the solution, and then just have the smart guy figure out the solution. But that also mm. risks feeling contrived. So again, it's it's a very tricky yeah. balance to strike. Uh, and in general, I've found that a way for it to be more realistic is to essentially propose the problem, mull it over for two or three weeks, <laughs> and then figure out like it. I, I've I can't talk about this because it's a comic spoiler, but. I did that recently, and it felt awesome, because <laughs> when I figured it out, I was like, oh, that's going to be so smart. Uh, yeah. But I'm trying to avoid, you know, puffing up my own ego too much, which is another problem. Sometimes you get writers that think they're smart, and then they... I'm not going to turn this into a let's dunk on BBC Sherlock again video. <laughs> We're not going to do that. we got Just time. we got like four more minutes before we got to go into my section <laughs> of the podcast. Just know that I'm <laughs> resisting the urge very heroically, but the, sometimes you can really tell that the writer thinks they are very clever for coming up with it. And the, the character will often be like, oh man, what an ingenious problem this is. Good thing I'm also a genius. And it's like, stop, stop. Something something you mentioned in the episode regarding that really sort of blew my mind. You said like, it, it's very difficult. Like with every other thing, any other quality that you can write, you can sort of fake it. Like if someone's physically strong, you just write, you know, physically strong things he does. But with mm. intelligence and figuring things out, if the writer isn't a genius, it's very hard to write genius because that's, yeah. you know, you can't make that stuff up without like showing the entire process. You are, it's one of the few things that the writer is actually limited to their own abilities in mm. different yeah. than all the other five men in the band. Yeah. Uh, it, you can't really fake that one. You actually have to bring your own intelligence into it. I will say the only circumstance that I think that's not 100% true is in stories where there's a magic system because the writer gets to make that up. And that means if your That's character true. is a genius wizard, then all you need to do is build your own magic system. You can be as acquainted with the, the intricacies of that as you want, and the genius can just figure out the stuff you already laid out. But, like, you know, if, it's, if they're, like, a real-world physicist or roboticist or, you know, <laughs> hacker, I mean, you know, bad Hollywood hacking is a trope all on its own, and it exists <laughs> because hacking is not a well-known skill set, so people mostly just make stuff up. Uh, it's also incredibly boring in, real in life. English, damn it! <laughs> yeah, he said, got to reboot the router. How dare you? Yeah, no, it's it's very silly, but yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a uniquely 
snarled uh, character trope. And, you know, that's not even touching on the stuff I mentioned near the end where I was like, oh, I probably got to talk about how smart guys are almost always not neurotypical. <laughs> hmm, this won't be an issue, but yeah, yeah. No. Don, you were saying something before I interrupted you. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Really? Oh, no, uh, sorry, I ADHD'd out of it really hard there, sorry. <laughs> Speaking of, oh, man. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think overall it went uh, quite well, and um, I had a good time with it, even though yeah. there was a while there where I was like, ah, how am I supposed to explain geniuses? Anyway. Um, yeah. So is this the last of the five-man band that you covered, or do you have more to go? Uh, technically, I need to do a video about the heart, but I really uh, don't know how to do that, because, frankly speaking, <laughs> the heart is my nice way of saying the girl... <laughs> And that's not a character archetype. That's a demographic checkbox. And uh, oh, it's gotten... important question though. Mm-hmm. Like, is Mati the heart of the Captain Planet group? Huh. Because I don't or, know. You know. I haven't actually hmm. watched Captain Planet. All oh, time. I see. Well, they, they won't I get did, the joke. But it was his... a long time. Ago. Oh, I know that it, they're they're the one with the heart. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think the thing is. Like, there, there is a trope there, you know, there, there's something to be said about discussing the, the character who is the emotional core of the team, but it's like, also, this is a trait, a, a trope that only recently developed any actual depth and personality for ages and ages. It was just like, this is the placeholder, this is the, this is the girl, this is the love interest, this is the hero's girlfriend, you know, it's just, and there's nothing there. You know, those characters were not characters until, like... We know what writers in the 1900s were like. Yeah, yeah, we know what writers in the fucking 60s were like, um... Anyway, yeah, so we'll see if I ever pull together enough thoughts about that to make an actual video. But for now, these are the main four all done. You know, we've got the, well, I guess I maybe haven't done something about leaders, but you know what? Whatever. We'll deal with that later. Right now, we got to talk about the other thing we did in the last two weeks. The detailed yeah, uh, drive, drive about Breath of the, the other, Wild. The other side yeah. of the, the channel, yeah, we had, uh, instead of a history video from, from me, because I was uh, on vacation uh, on my honeymoon, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> oh, congrats, <laughs> by the way. bothered to do an entire, <laughs> yeah. uh, an entire video. Uh, I, uh, I, I cheated and did a detailed diatribe, and we had it a great time. should be mentioned uh, that I did... needed to convince you to do that. <laughs> Yeah, like, no, it, it'll it be took... fine. I was like, no, Red, I, I, I can, I can muscle through it. I can, I can make it happen. You're like, Blue, just, just, just take the L. Take just the do a detailed L. diatribe. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, regarding yeah. your wedding, Blue, like, did I hear correctly in the last podcast that you did your first dance to Kevin McLeod music? No. Aww, uh, that would have been so We did our funny. first dance to. Um, uh, a song called "The Bones" uh, by Marin Morris, but we also had later in the evening uh, a song from the discography of the incomparable royalty-free music god, Kevin MacLeod, oh, Club okay. Seamus, which oh. is just, like, 808s and bagpipes. Uh, and <laughs> me uh, and Yellow, uh, one of, a friend of the channel, um, uh, streamer, uh, in his own right, uh, we danced our heart out to that. <laughs> that you is such peak YouTuber to do copyright-free music <laughs> at your wedding. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, we also had some Zelda music at the wedding, of course. Of so, course. And, uh, uh, and, like, Journey, in. Abzu. I think and I didn't Abzu. notice, but we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, perfect segue. But yeah, uh, we, we had a, a detailed diatribe talking about the lore in the world building of, or lore in the world design of uh, of Breath of the Wild, uh, based off of the extraordinary work of another YouTuber by the name of Zeltic, whom we... Uh, we uh, gave uh, mountains and mountains of credit to uh, in, in the I, video I've been itself. watching his videos pretty much continuously since when your video came out to basically <laughs> right before this podcast started. So thank oh, you for man. that. Yeah, yeah, he is. His videos are great. Honestly, like the man's a treasure. He, the 
The way that he talks about Zelda is just, mwah, it's so artful. And, like, the camera angles, the B-roll, like, how does he get the footage to look that good? Ah, anyway, <laughs> um, so we, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and the, the general thesis is, like, the world in this game is so old. It's so old. <laughs> ah. Terrifyingly and old. I, I feel like it's it's almost a, it's a question of like an adaptation kind of thing because you're dealing with, you know, the internal lore of, of Breath of the Wild specific to like the first Great Calamity, the second Great Calamity, just the stuff that was invented for Breath of the Wild. And then there's all the other stuff, you know, with, um, with stuff from Ocarina of Time, with stuff from... Um, mostly Ocarina of Time, stuff from Wind Waker, uh, stuff from uh, really a whole bunch of Skyward Sword stuff. It's yep. mostly Skyward Sword. Yeah, they really um, like Talking about all of that and, and yeah, how that was, reason. like, selectively reconstructed to work in the world of, of Breath of the Wild was really cool. And, and Dom, I feel like this is, is you know, an, another kind of, like, quasi-adaptation um, uh, thing because, like, how do you, you take this thing that exists in this other story and this other self-contained narrative break it open and like you know mm. mosaic put it into place in this new thing it's uh, a complicated process but they did it really well yeah i think so i think they did like because they it's more treated as references as opposed to one for one uh you know lifting these things into it which mm -hmm. you know even in, the, in as far as like they named all the places slightly wrong which works on two levels because it's like they're basically saying you cannot you know do a side-by-side -side comparison of these things and, you know, get angry at us for not getting exactly right. But also, like, it's really conceivable that people will get names wrong after, like, 25,000 years. Yeah. yeah. So, I want to know yeah. what Makar did to get a forest named after him. He was the, the, the wind sage. Uh, was and he? that was an important thing. Well, oh, they, my bad. There, were, there have been a few wind sages over time, but he was, uh, yeah, he, he's a big deal in, in Wind Waker. Oh. There's a little, little Korok guy with a little... Little violin, he's great. Yeah. Well, I, I like that, that Mido got. Oh, so go on. oh no, I just wanted to like. He's the character in my head where I was like, oh yeah, there's plushies of that guy, right? Like I didn't remember he was important. Yeah. <laughs> I, was I like that Mido, the only uh, like asshole uh, child of the forest, gets a swamp named after him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but the way that they 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 take all of those things and and put them together, and someone even mentioned like, yeah, all of the divine beasts are like named after like characters from from before like really? sages, sages from, from yeah from yeah, three sages like from that. oracle and then one from wind waker i think oh, I, man. yeah i uh probably <laughs> but yeah um and just the the discussion in the comments was so cool talking about all the different things that were done in the game world and how ideas from one thing were taken and remixed in the context of, of breath of the wild there was a lot of just really neat discussion because that's like the whole thing with with zelda theories is it's just it's just cool. It's it's <laughs> mysteries. It, it exists for people to like chew on it and think about it and play around with it and, and see what what you know it ends up being. And and Breath of the Wild is so great because it's just layers and layers and layers of that all together. So any any one Zelda game has has bits of it, but Breath of the Wild is really the only game that goes out of its way to put all of the different strata of Zelda into one place. And that, I think, is, is is really, really neat. And Skyward Sword does some of it by, like, presaging a lot of it. Like, oh, set up now for a payoff from, like, six games ago. Uh, which is, like, one instance of a prequel actually being done pretty well. Uh, yeah. But having the 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 sheer uh, co uh, commitment? No, the, um, yeah. I'm really bad with, like, words lately. <laughs> having a rough time. But the sheer... Um, 
the, the balls to reach back that far in the timeline and be like, yeah, this thing from Skyward Sword, this, like, the the temple that was created at, like, the beginning of the, the lore and history of Hyrule, yeah, it was a fucking Link museum for thousands of years. For the record, this video was fun because w- w- before we started recording, you were like, yeah, I think this will be, like, 20 minutes tops. You know, I got, like, a lot of good stuff, but, you know, we can get through it pretty quick. And then at the end, you were like... Holy fuck, 50 minutes? And we cut some stuff. (laughs) Not much, but some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to say about it, which is honestly a testament to the game. But, like, I I mentioned in the video how I think what really makes that game impressive is the stuff it doesn't say, the stuff it just implies. Like, the fucking hole in Hebra Peak. (laughs) Nightmare fuel. Yeah, Um, that's amazing. Yeah. It's very sort of Ozymandias in that, like, oh, it kind yeah. of reminds you that everything, no matter how great, whether it's a great kingdom or a sky whale, is going to be a skeleton someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, for sure. That's, uh, everything uh, <laughs> is is brought down eventually uh, in the thought. Zelda timeline. Because it's it's interesting how how casual a relationship the world of Hyrule has to absolute doom. Like, sure, like, most of the time Link wins. Most of the time, <laughs> but it, it there's a very familiar relationship to absolute destruction uh, in that world, which makes for very interesting lore. I actually had a thought about that, uh, because, of course, you know, the whole, oh, Ganon got sealed away 10,000 years ago, but, like, everybody knows he's gonna come back, and, mm-hmm. you know, we gotta prepare for the second great calamity, and I was kind of thinking about, like, oh, you know, it's it's always so weird in fiction, where they're like, we sealed him away for 10,000 years, but someday he'll be released, and I was like, why would you build that into your seal, you know? And then I thought about, um, long-term nuclear waste disposal plans, and how they all have to account for the fact that we can't build anything that lasts forever. We can only build things with an upper limit in the 10,000-year range, basically. And it's like, how do we bury something so deep that it can't be excavated in the time it takes? And it's like, you know, when you combine that with, oh yeah, also it's an evil, malevolent god <laughs> that really wants out, you know. I understand the 10,000-year expiration date on the seal, but <laughs> it's just, it's it's an interesting... I don't want to say that it was an intentional parallel, but like, you know, long-term disposal methods of really scary stuff is kind of something that a lot of people have been talking about these days. And sealing Ganon away? Kind I of mean, there's a lot of really that. overt, like, ghibli Naushika parallels. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. that much of a jump. <laughs> well, yeah, but Ghibli and Naushika uh, and Castle in the Sky, you know, those were clearly kind of drawing parallels to nuclear weapons, but the idea of nuclear disposal, that's actually a more oh, recent okay. thing that people are thinking about. Um have anyway. you ever seen uh, Space 1999? The general plot is we used the moon as a nuclear waste dump, and then it exploded and went off on an adventure <laughs> through the universe. What? That sounds yeah. amazing. That sounds like not the best idea. It, yeah, it came out in, like, the 70s, I think. It's oh, really, that like, makes sense. So, yeah. You can always tell how old something is by when it thinks the future is. They're, yeah. They'll put it about 20 years in the future. Um, oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, so that was a fun one. People really seem to like it. Uh... And, yeah, uh, it's, uh, I, I felt kind of bad. Some people are like, oh man, this is so great. I do not have the time for this right now. I'll double back to it later. Uh, it. So, uh, yeah, uh, but it was, it, it was a lot of fun to, to put that one together because I'd been thinking about all these things and like I've been watching Celtic videos for months and months and I'm like, wait a minute, this, this can be a detailed diatribe. <laughs> uh, and then we put it up on, uh, on one of our, our Patreon polls and it was like, which, which detailed diatribe do you want us to do? And everyone's like, that one. Yeah. Like, all right, <laughs> you got it. Because, yeah, yeah, there's, there's just something about the, the Zelda games that, that just cry out to be 
looked at and understood and analyzed and it's that they don't they don't give you everything they don't spell everything out they they leave some things as a mystery uh and one of the, one of the comments um uh, pulled on something read that you said which is that it's interesting not just what is remembered but what things the world of hyrule is not allowed to forget mm. that i thought was re- like oh yeah that's kind of spooky when you put yeah. it that way um, the, the only the only time they lack subtlety is in the map i found it's like everything oh, is like yeah. sort of implied but then the map just says nope this is the sacrifice ground you yeah, yeah, yeah. this ground. is the arbiter's ground yeah. here you go yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. this, this is, is the... literally the breach of demise it's like how would they know that i like that i think that it's yeah. nice that they give you the answer i mean i i love mystery world building as much as anybody but i have concluded even if you put all the clues there it is still a kindness to spell it out at least once so that everyone can make sure that they're right yeah which is why i think it's cool that they that they do a mix of both you know there's the stuff that is very obscure and kind of hard to piece together and there's you know like the the fucking makar islands like level one from from the first zelda game and then it's like this is the temple of time it looks exactly like the temple of time we call it the Temple of Time. We show it to you three seconds after you start the playthrough. This is the Temple of Time. Have fun. <laughs> it's fun that they have the layers, the yeah. strata there. Um, so that yeah. was cool. And uh, the same day that that video went up, uh, yes. Dom, you had a video, which I was very interested in. <laughs> oh, and there's a, there's a segue here because uh, Ganon is based on Pigsy. Oh, yes, yeah, supposedly. I heard that. Yes. And in the early games, you can actually really see it when he's a lot more cartoony. He's just like a huge pig man. It's like yeah. He uses sense. like a rake and well, like a trident. A trident, yeah. Trident. Sorry, but yeah, yeah. and yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's like basically a pixie was an even bigger asshole. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the, uh, your video was a uh, lost in adaptation about different versions of Journey to the West. Uh, yeah, yeah. This thing's been on my to do list for over a year. It was, um, I think, the 1986 version was paid for by a patron, mm-hmm. but I was putting it off because I was really intimidated by the size of the book. But when uh, Indigo <laughs> reached out about the podcast, I was like, okay, there's never going to be a better time to cover this. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it was really interesting. Um, I a lot of those versions I'd at least tangentially seen, you know, stuff from. Like I think a lot of people know about the cartoon and a lot of people know that one live action version where like monkey actually kind of looks like a monkey sort of. Yep, which um, is unusual. It is. Yeah, most of them are just like we got a guy. Sometimes yeah. we put sideburns on him, sometimes we don't. <laughs> yeah, 9% of the time it's just a hot dude. Yeah, oh yeah, I was kind of glad Hot that you Wukong, also didn't yeah. like New Legends of Monkey. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I didn't give that one a huge chance because I only watched like two episodes and I, I rage noped out of it really hard and I was like, <laughs> no, no, I can't. Th-. It's like, it's like, it's like if Xena, but every character was Joxer. You That's know? what I heard about it too. That it's like Xena, but uh, and I, I might have gotten farther in, but I rage noped out in an episode where it is revealed that Monkey cannot read or write, which made me conclude. <sighs> That this is fan fiction written by Pigsy. Because <laughs> he's un- unironically the most heroic character in the show. He's like this noble warrior and he saves the day, and Monkey's an idiot asshole who can't even read. And it's like, wow. That's funny. Wow. Yeah, so that was neat. Um, and he's super underpowered in that one, too. He apparently lost all his powers while he was trapped in the mountain. So he yeah, comes they, back and. They nerfed him. Yeah. They did that but, in a Dom, movie. I, I want to give you credit for for the absolute monster of a research undertaking this video was because oh, yeah. for for those of our audience who haven't seen it yet, you you read like 
the entire journey to the west or a, a, a lightly abridged version you, you said I, re- I read the abridged version first and i read and most of volume one and two and then for volume three <laughs> i just tracked down the relevant chapters because i was yeah. starting to burn out at that point so you There's did all lot. of that uh yeah. and then uh, you watched through all of this journey to the west media over decades and decades and decades it was absolutely yeah. incredible to see like the, the whole thing of like you know the original book and mm-hmm. a little bit of background on that and then like okay you know, year to year to year, what's everyone doing? Okay, like 1935, like 1941, like 1953 or whatever, and just like going forward through time, it was really incredible to see the the evolution over a very long stretch of time. Yeah. Of, Fortunately, of I have a research assistant who was able to help out a little bit with that. Uh, okay. uh, so like, she goes by that movie chick on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, it was, I had to watch every, uh, at least 10 episodes of every season and then all the movies. Uh, so yeah, that was an intense couple of weeks. Yeah. I, as I was watching this, I'm like, oh my god! Like I, yeah. like I get it secondhand from Red when she's doing, you know, all the stuff for Journey to the West, where it's like, oh, you know, it's this, it's this ginormous book. It's uh-huh. this you know, like story that goes on and on and on. And you're like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that in like a like a 25 <laughs> minute video. Like, holy crap! Yeah. I, I was very impressed, and I think I, everyone in our audience should be as well. Oh, yeah. I, I can't like claim that I really thought it through before I started. If I'm honest, it's always like it's like ah, oh, this will be fine, and yeah. it was not. It was way more work than I realized. When all the evidence was there, I just didn't think it through. But no regrets. Yeah. Journey to the West is tricky because on the one hand, it's very easy to summarize. It is a journey. You know, ensemble cast. They go west. They get the scriptures. Yeah. They come back. Like I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. We knew that was going to happen. But in order to do the story justice, you kind of need to tap into the individual episodes. And there's a million of those. Yeah. But they're so fun. They're so stupid. Um, the, the, I, I mean, you, you sold the humor pretty well in your summary videos. But oh, like, I was still kind of surprised by just how relatable the humor funny. was, considering this is a hundreds of year old book from China. I know. And some of the jokes was like, look behind you, changes like shape. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And oh my god, uh, in the one that you briefly mentioned, uh, the incident where Tripitaka and Pigsy drink from the wrong river, oh, there's a, like boy. a background running gag that Sandy keeps being like, you guys need to be careful. New mothers are very delicate. <laughs> He's the funniest <laughs> yeah. motherfucker in the cast and we never knew. Yeah. Every time Red is doing uh, the, the scripting portion for New Journey to the West, she'll just send me screen caps of like <laughs> actual parts of the text where it's just, it's 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 a shit post in a 500 year old Chinese epic. It's slapstick <laughs> It's hilarious. I yeah. love it. And part of what kind of bugs me about a lot of the adaptations is they they often lose that, you know, they mm. or or they sort of they have to change it. Oh, they have to depower monkey or they have to add a romance. That one's really popular for some reason. Yeah, um, Tripitaka gets hella late in the movies, but like never in the book, obviously. <laughs> no, not in the book. He's a monk. That's not, he's not supposed yeah. to. Uh, the whole Kingdom of Women arc is basically just about Tripitaka trying desperately not to get laid. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that was this. Um, that was referenced in the same one as the uh, the pregnancy thing, which is like, yep. oh, you're lucky you came to the tent of the old ladies. The other women would have forced yeah. themselves on you. <laughs> if that story continued, we would get to the part where they go to the Kingdom of Women, and the Empress is like, I'm marrying that one. <laughs> and yep. then later he gets kidnapped by a horny demoness who's like, I'm marrying that one. And he's like, I don't want any part of this. They, I mean, they do set that up because they reference Tripitaka being, like, handsome as fuck. Yeah, yeah, Tripitaka's uh, a legit snack. Uh, yeah. But it's it's really funny. Um, and a lot of the adaptations kind of... Well, I think a lot of the adaptations think Tripitaka's boring, which is a shame because mm-hmm. Tripitaka's, like, actually pretty neat. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, total wet blanket giant most man of baby. the time. Yep. Yeah, he's a giant man-baby, and he's frequently unreasonable towards Monkey, who is 
frankly speaking, our protagonist. Um, but that actually kind of makes him interesting. And, you know, you could lean into that relationship, but it seems like it's like the unspoken rule in almost every adaptation that they got a gender in Tripitaka and they got a shipper with Monkey. And uh, it's like, I get it, yeah. but it's like they're, they're overwriting an actually interesting dynamic with a generally pretty stock cookie cutter dynamic, which yeah. is a bit of a bummer. Although I didn't yeah. object when they did it in Inuyasha, which is my conspiracy theory of the day. <laughs> Everyone remembers that Dragon Ball is the Journey to the West adaptation, but they don't notice that there's a one-to-one correspondence, <laughs> including several of the bad guys. Anyway. I think that was my second most commented thing on that video, aside from o- OMG OSP. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, mentioning, uh, bemoaning that I didn't mention Inuyasha. But really? there's only so many yeah. animes I can I can handle yeah. getting through. because uh, It's partly yeah. just, like, laziness, and partly I don't want to get hooked because I only have so much time available at the moment. I don't blame you. There's, like, 150 episodes, and that's not even half the manga. So, like, yeah. I, but For one illustrative example, uh, one of our friends, Daniel Green, uh, did, like, on a whim, he decided to review a couple episodes of One Piece. Oh, and now, like, reviewing One Piece has colonized his channel. I mean, he should have known. <laughs> One Piece is famously massive. It's been running since we were in middle school. <laughs> But I, I think I think you made the wise choice to not get into it because like after you get past like 1985, it's like okay, like ha- like half of all media is a journey to the West adaptation <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah. This is what I learned. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. everywhere. Whoops! All journey to the West. Yep. Yeah. And what's cool is that uh, uh, some of those adaptations I'd known about. There's a couple I watched that uh, you didn't mention because obviously you know you could only do so many. Uh, one of them is a movie from 2016 called Monkey King Hero is Back that is not mm. actually a Journey to the West adaptation strictly. Uh, I believe the conceit of that movie is that, uh, so in the book, Tripitaka is the 10th incarnation of Golden Cicada. In the movie, Monkey is released by the 9th incarnation of Golden Cicada, just this little peasant kid, and then they go on an adventure together to fight this weird demon guy. Um, huh. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, th- the cool thing is they actually kind of justify Monkey being semi-depowered in that movie. He's still pretty ridiculous, but he's got, like, half of the chains on him that were keeping him in the mountain, and they're sealing his power. And when they finally crack off of him in the final fight, he, like, immediately gets the full armor and, like, the, the pheasant feather headdress, and he pulls the staff out from behind his ear where it's been nice. stuck the whole time because he didn't have the power to get it, and then he kicks ass and immediately wins. It's great. That's um, pretty cool. Do they... Do they stick him back under the mountain at the end to keep the cannon going? No, no, it... screw the cannon. He's just out now, just hanging out. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But I believe it is implied, uh, spoiler alert, the kid ends up uh, dying in like the darkest hour of the movie. I believe oh. it's implied at the end that the kid's reborn, possibly as Tripitaka, so they can hang out. Um, but it's an interesting movie. Uh, the dub is unfortunately not great because it's a shame. They got Jackie Chan to play Monkey. This should be great, but Jackie what? Chan is sadly not the best English voice actor in the world. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. He sounds a little mellow for the Monkey King. Um, All these years in Jackie Chan adventures. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Lego Monkey Kid, uh, which I've oh, heard yeah. really good things about. And they got uh, Sean Schemmel to play Sun Wukong, who, of course, plays Goku in the dub of Dragon Ball Z. So hmm. that's just like... Didn't, isn't the voice of Sokka in that show? Yes, he plays the main character. Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> well, and... my favorite discovery from doing that episode was a Korean Odyssey because yes! I was I was this close to not actually watching that because I said, okay, it's in name only. I might just give it an honorable mention. I was like, oh, I'll just watch the first episode. Then I mean, the episodes <laughs> are an hour and twenty, but like fourteen episodes later, I surfaced. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that was so. So, am I am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh I yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. We, we have like a, a pretty like solid like no f bombs on the channel, but like as soon as it's like streams and podcasts, like anything goes. Fuck yeah. I actually because you mentioned Korean Odyssey in the show, I in the episode, I actually uh, started watching it. I only got like five episodes in, and despite what I just said about oh they always got a ship monkey with the Tripitaka figure, I don't mind. This one's actually really interesting. Yeah, this time I like it because monkey it's... is such a bastard in this show. Yeah, because he's pretty open about it too. He's like, man, if I didn't have this uh, bracelet on, I would eat you. Yeah. I would literally. I have made sauce to pour on you and eat you alive. <laughs> the fucking sauce. <laughs> Yeah. And he's, he's such a dick, and it's kind of cool because uh, part of the conceit of the show is that instead of being a headband, uh, the, the circular subjugation has been reimagined into a bracelet, which instead of making him feel pain, makes him fall in love. And he hates yeah. it, and so does the girl. She thinks it's creepy and unpleasant. Uh, but now she's catching feels, and he's catching real feels under the fake ones, and they're all being really awkward about it. Yeah, it's, even though they're like basically like it forced into a couple, it's still will they, won't they? Because she's like yeah. clearly into him, but she's like, ah, it's not really... He's not really consenting to this love, and he's yeah. like, ah, I feel like I'm being forced into love, but also I'm pretty sure I'm actually feeling it, so it's got an extra layer to it. It's okay. And he keeps being like, yeah, of course, the minute we're done with this, I'm going to take this bad boy off, or you're going to take this bad boy off, all my feelings will disappear, and then I'll kill you, and it'll be great. And it's just like, cool, awesome, but man... Oh, it's bananas. Uh, but also, like the, bull, the Bull Demon King is is so good, Nick, because he's, so he's such an over-the-top character. He's ridiculous. Also, uh, I feel it's important that the audience knows that the monkey character spends a full half of an episode very loudly pretending not to be upset that the entire rest of the cast has a group chat without him. <laughs> it's the most in-character thing I've ever seen. <laughs> It's oh. funny when, when even when like pretty detached from the original context of the work, an adaptation still manages to capture like some tiny but extremely indicative sliver of the original. Like those yeah. shining moments are what makes adaptations really special when Pixie's they work out. Pixie's a K-pop star and also a total bastard. <laughs> yeah, I I love that when I found that when they called him Pixie for the first time, yeah. I was like, no. no! <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. got the exact right personality, and then Sandy's like the CEO of a phone company, but he's also got the exact right personality. No dragon horse, yeah. but like, eh, no one noticed. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Exactly, yeah. no one remembers the dragon horse. He's got like a really fancy I, like Ferrari. I remembered him when he was Actually, a he does have a car. He stole it from the Bull Demon King. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, anyway uh, some very fun videos uh, on, on the channel uh, yeah. and on Dom's channel in the past uh, few weeks. Uh, so in addition to uh, everybody uh, going to uh, uh, tab off of this podcast and subscribe to, subscribe to Dom's channel right now, which you should do, <laughs> we'll have a link in the show notes. Yes. Um, quick announcement is that uh, on the day that this episode drops, uh, Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving, two days before Black Friday, our full collection of pins, uh, enamel pins from 2021, uh, is on sale. So we've got Hades and Persephone. We've got Loki. We've got Zeus and Hera. We've got Athena and Poseidon. And we've got Dionysus. All of those pins are on sale. They are in a limited stock. It's a large number, but it is a limited stock. If you are interested in getting one for yourself or as a gift, they make <laughs> great gifts. You might want to get on that on the Sooner side. Last year, we sold out in three days. We did not even make it to Black Friday. <laughs> so uh, they, are all, uh, they are all on sale now on our Crowdmade shop. Link will be uh, in the show notes below. Um, whole store is discounted um, uh, 5%. Uh, 
for every pin pack that you add, you will get an additional discount. So if you get two, you'll get a total of 10% off. You get three, total of 15. Uh, four uh, pins, total of 20% um, off. And five pins, max of 25% off your order. So the more you get, whether it's, it's you know, all of the different pins, or if you get like five Hades and Persephone's, you'll get you'll <laughs> you'll get the discount added. So um, it, there's a discount. Uh, patrons also have a special discount. Uh, check your emails if you are a patron. Um, and uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, trying to think. Um, we also have some some stuff on a Redbubble store. Um, we'll put a link to that. I think the link's always there. Yep. Uh, but yes, uh, pins. If you are interested in the pins from this year and you missed them before, this is your chance. Every year at the end of the year, we rerun the pins from that year, and then that's it. Yep. The gone. <laughs> Maybe not so we gone, get a lot like of emails forever, like, oh, no, I missed the but... pins the first time. It's like, okay, you have one more chance. But this is the only chance. <laughs> well, I mean, not like hundo percent the only chance, you know. But like like for now, like for don't now. bang on it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so they'll be in stock as long as they are in stock. Um, so if you're interested, don't wait up. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, can I just mention one last Journey to the West thing before we move on? Yes, yes, yes. Please. Okay, there's one chapter that I couldn't work into the video, but, like, blew my mind, and it's the Paradise Lost chapter that's got, like, nothing to do with any of the main cast. It's just the Tang Emperor going on an adventure through the underworld, and it's sort of, it's it's a segue completely, like, even compared to chapters that are complete bottle episodes. This one was so random in a book that's you know, already full of random things, where it's just like, okay, huh. we're not going to do any of the main cast, it's just going to be the Emperor, there's going to be some legal trouble with the afterlife, he's going to go down there, explore the things, then come back up, and then, then back to Monkey. Oh, do you remember yeah. which volume it was in? That uh, was the first volume, it was before the volume. quest got started, it was, I think it was oh. just after Tributaka's story. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the early parts of the book are kind of weird, you know, when they're getting the gang together and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I... That one's a weird one. I also like the random episode. Uh, I also didn't work this into a video, but uh, they basically solve a murder mystery. Uh, this, like, ghost king haunts Tripitaka and is like, I got shoved down a well and replaced. <laughs> you gotta save me. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, so they end the they end the chapter by bringing him back to life. Amazing. <laughs> you know, super cash. Yeah. Um, All right, but um, uh, if that is that, uh, again, pins, they're on sale. Get them before they're gone. Uh, yep. They make great gifts. Uh, that will be it, and we can hop on over to the Q&A section of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Uh, we're actually going to be doing the now belated lightning round here at the top of this podcast. Everyone's favorite bit, I think our only <laughs> bit. Uh... <laughs> Sometimes I was looking brand jeans. But that's a and, yeah. and super comfortable. Okay. That's just a bit with us. I don't know if the audience knows that's a bit. Um, lightning round, super easy, super breezy. We get a lot of questions from you guys asking if we've seen, read, watched, etc. Various properties of media and songs and what have you. Uh, and if we answered every single one as an actual question, we would never stop recording the podcast. So this is going to be a just quick blitz of naming some of the things that you guys have asked if we've seen and. Uh, Red, Blue, and Dom will uh, answer whether or not they've seen it, and we'll just we'll breeze on through, knock on wood that we don't get stuck on any of these. <laughs> no promises. So, no promises. So without further ado, lightning round, episode 31, or is that what this is? Whatever. Something, something. Uh, Let's go. Yeah. Vampire the Masquerade, the TTRPG. No. no. You, vaguely. No. Slightly. Homebrewed. Without, mm. Exalted. <laughs> Arcane. <laughs> yes! All of it. 
No. It's good. Everybody no. should watch it. I, I have enjoyed the the articles like Arcane is good. Don't play League <laughs> of Legends. I played League of Legends yes. for a week. I can confirm <laughs> Arcane is good. Don't play League of Legends. <laughs> you don't need to. I swear. <laughs> uh, Dragon Riders of Pern. No. No, yes. But I know about it. I got one. Yep. Oh, nope. it's so good. You have to try it. It's, it's so fun. good. Oh, it's weird. Uh, Bionicle lore. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> no, sorry. I was busy talking to girls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. Oh, man. Uh, those toys were not fun enough for how much I got bullied about it. <laughs> I assume that's a statement you're making present tense, right? Because we're bullying you about Bionicle now in 2021. Oh, you guys don't have shit on my friends from middle school. I watched the movie once, though. Does it have deep lore? Let's... Yeah. Oh, oh my god, god it yeah. does. One of one of our friends, one of, one of the Greens, a uh, former roommate of mine, uh, is on the same page about Bionicle Deep Lore. Holy shit, man, it goes. I, I did a bad anyway, movie night of the next... movie Mask of Light, and I didn't understand any of it, and it started with, like, an exposition oh dump god. that I felt I needed to be taking notes for. <laughs> it's so good, bad. Oh my god. Uh, Treasure Planet, the Disney yes. movie. Yes. Fucking slaps. Mm. Underrated no. gem. Beautiful. Uh, Rejected Princesses by Jason Porath. Oh, yeah, it's like a Tumblr blog. Uh, hmm. they, they, like, do research no. about historical badasses. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. No idea, sorry. Uh, Hunter Hunter. Yes. Yes. No. no. But I did watch Yu Yu Hakusho, which is, like, you know, okay. the prototype for Hunter uh, Hunter. <laughs> someone, I, someone I sort of am um, internet friends with was uh, in the dub of that. Oh, uh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, Erica Hollicher. She's, uh, she like, yeah, we, we met a few nice. times. Oh, no, once. We met in cool. person once. We've talked a few times. But, yeah, she's really nice. Ain't that how I'd be play? with YouTube friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Dingo Doodles, Fool's Gold. No. You just picked five random words. <laughs> yeah, you said it's not a thing. You're testing us. <laughs> Those are four words. Uh, I'm actually, some, uh, Dingo Doodles, I think, is, I think they do, like, animated. Yeah, uh, I, I've heard that name, oh, okay. at least, but I don't know about Fool's Gold. I don't know what the Fool's Gold is, but it's very good. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. No. Summon them to the. Sorry, I'm from the planet Earth, so JoJo's Bizarre Adventure doesn't really make much sense to me. Yeah, I've seen exactly one episode, and I was drunk after a wedding, and it was awful but hilarious. Actually, I watched the first episode, and I recall that they were falling through a three story burning building for about seven minutes. Someone someone burns a dog in the first episode because I went back to try and like check it out and I was like nope yeah. nope they that's like a, a lot huge of dogs nope in for me <laughs> yeah. yeah nah not yeah. into it in my head that show just exists as the Dio meme and that's it anyway Basically. next <laughs> yeah uh, Black Butler I run an anime kick this round no no well technically I watched like a full half season of it with a friend of mine but it was mostly because the friend was into it I only watched yeah. it ironically <laughs> I keep getting I just don't it mixed remember up. shit about it. I keep getting it mixed up with Bible Black and being shocked that people are bringing up. Whoa! And then it's like, no, wait, Whoa, that's a different buddy. thing. Never mind. No, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amphibia. Little bit. No. No. <laughs> the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. No, but I've heard about it. No. No, sorry. Uh, Hanyo no Yashahime. Oh, Yashi- that's the Inuyasha, the Inuyasha sequel. sequel. Uh, yeah. And the answer <laughs> the is no. That for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, Assassination Classroom. I think I actually did watch all of it, but I remember none of it, so I don't think that, that counts. It's got octopus guy in it, Yeah, right? it's got the octopus guy. Yeah. He's voiced by that one guy who played Maze Hughes and Krillin, you know. Oh. All the lovable gotcha. guys. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> I got nothing, sorry. Um, 
Iron Widow by Shi Zhang Yes, oh, yes, I read it and it ruled, and now they follow us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice! Oh, sick! <laughs> I just read that this weekend. It doesn't. It does indeed rule. It slaps. It does slap. A series of unfortunate events. Oh God! Yes. Yeah. A little bit in middle school. <laughs> Didn't get it. Skipped to the end and got even more confused. I watched my friend mm. play the old video game of it, and I was very confused. <laughs> huh. there, was, there was a video game. Yeah, that's yeah for me. the original, like the like the uh-huh. Jim Carrey movie, there was a video game tie-in back uh-huh. in the days when like every film had a video game tie-in. Especially Jim Carrey mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, I, you know, I've done several videos on that. One of which is now off YouTube because of copyright. But oh, it, wow. it, I find those books like genuinely depressing instead of fun depressing. Like that I think was, they're supposed to be. That's why I tapped out of it because I was like, I get the feeling this is never going to go well for these people. And when he I legit just... says that in every story, yeah. it's like this will yeah. not have a happy ending. So I'm like, okay, then I'm out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I'm in fifth grade and my life is already rough. (laughs) Uh, Song of Achilles. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Song of Achilles rules. It's great. They took all of the subtext and made it text. It's so gay. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't read it, but Blue has, so I know everything about it. (laughs) Oh my God. It's, It's very well done. I have not read Cersei. Mainly uh, because I was afraid that Odysseus would show up, and Odysseus is the most annoying motherfucker in that book, uh, in Song of Achilles. He talks Aww. like a fifth grader's idea of what a smart person talks like, hey, but like Achilles and Patroclus are great characters. Song of Achilles is is like, it's good. It's good. Perfect. If you want to like read the classics and like really get to appreciate like how gay it was, read Song of Achilles. <laughs> you thought it was going to be me derailing, <laughs> but it was blue. Oh. I haven't seen that, but I have read The Odyssey, so I think that should count for something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's all the same circle. Yeah. Inside job, comma, I am not okay with this. No. No. What? The Movie Struck podcast. Oh, wow, someone yeah. actually commented that for lightning round. Okay. I have. Uh, it's good. Everyone should Been on it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, Red Line. No. 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 Life is Strange. No, but I know about it, like, no. a little bit. Hello Future Me really likes it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen snippets of like Let's Plays and I've seen his breakdown of the sequel. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, Mac and Me. Nope. No. I've seen the uh, riff, riff tracks, or was it the like Emma oh, no. 3T3K? No, I've seen the whole thing for that, but also, uh, yeah. Uh, there's some celebrity who has a bit where they go on a talk show and they uh, only they Paul say Rudd, they're going to play a clip. Paul Rudd, yeah. yeah. He goes, uh, always uh, like, I'm going to play a clip from my new movie and it's always the same clip from Mac and Me. <laughs> That's my only understanding of Mac and Me. Hilarious. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Nope. <laughs> that one? That's yeah, we not Oblivion. Back. Morrowind. Oh no, not sorry. I've only Elder played Scrolls Elder Scrolls Two Daggerfall. Sorry, gang. <laughs> yeah. I've played it, but I was bad at it. I the the uh, mm. stamina going down while you're running always fucked me up really badly because I was just anyone, too impatient. Is anyone good at Bethesda games? Really? I'm good at Skyrim because the way to play it is to pick a direction and just fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's kind of an oblivion war, so I just for some reason couldn't bond with Morrowind. Mm. Morrowind's a little bit like clunkier than the other ones are. It shows its age more. But uh, uh, last one here, V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. I watched the movie at least. Didn't read the comic. Yeah, no, I, I saw the movie. I've read watched the comic. It it's, it's sort of sort of the same, but also significantly different because no one can really capture mm. Alan Moore in any other format yeah. successfully. Oh, yeah. it's Alan Moore. God, that's why it's so edgy. God. <laughs> the, well, the only Alan Moore story that was ever successfully adapted was for The Man Who Has Everything, which was turned into one of the best episodes of Justice League Unlimited. True. Uh, that's and a he, great That's the episode. only one that has his seal of approval, for the record. 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, this has been another uh, little lightning round. Um, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back uh, actually only in four episodes with this bit because we uh, delayed it by one because Blue was MIA. Don't for, we do this um, every 10 episodes? So we were originally doing it every 10 episodes and then people liked it so much that we told them we would do it every five oh, instead. No. And to be quite honest, we have enough media to get through that we can absolutely do it. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> we have only scratched the surface of things that people have submitted for I this. I feel like before too long, we're going to be able to write an algorithm like for statistically based on any media property has read or blue seen it within like yeah. 90% accuracy. Probably. <laughs> Anyone who's good at like machine learning, get on that. Uh, but this this first actual question comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the channel, support the podcast, help pay my salary, help kept, keep Cleo fed, consider becoming a patron and have the chance for your question to be read first on a future episode. This question comes from Lenorian. Figures from mythology are frequently borrowed for urban fantasy, like Percy Jackson and American Gods. Is there a particular interpretation you have found particularly clever that you would recommend reading or watching? So any, like... Urban fantasy god adaptations, y'all? Yeah, well, you know, I've heard the, that there's the this K-drama of Journey to the West. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read, I was going to do the shit post answer and say, yeah, the on the subject of, of the Percy Jackson, there's this movie, The Lightning oh, Thief. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dom, your video on that one is an absolute treasure because it's just, it's so, it's so bad. They're so bad. The only halfway it's, good thing about those movies is they got Nathan Fillion to play Hermes, which is good uh, casting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Everything else I remember when I was young and didn't know that like movies could be bad. I watched it and I'm like, why did they have this Hydra fight? This wasn't in the books. Where's Ares? Yeah. Wait a minute, is this bad? Yeah. The thing that really got me was the bit where Percy had to have the obligatory "Yay, I chopped off its head, so now it's dead" moments. Like, dude, oh, come yeah. on. You fuckers really? never read picture books in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Delar's book of Greek myths is no longer required third grade reading. Man. Yeah. Is it, would it be cheating to say anything by Neil Gaiman? Because like he basically, that's just kind of his jam. Yeah, he has a yeah. fun time with that. Um, I'm not the hugest fan of his version of Loki, but it is pretty myth-accurate, so that's mostly just personal taste. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, hmm. Um, I don't know, I gave my answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's tricky. A lot of urban fantasy adaptations kind of rework characters a lot, um, and a lot of times the interpretation might be based on a part of the mythology that I personally maybe don't like all that much. Uh, like, I, I'm not the hugest fan of the way Percy Jackson handles Athena, because um, she's clearly there to be kind of the disapproving mother of the girlfriend, and it's like, I mean, you can borrow that characterization from, like, parts of what Ovid wrote about her, but I don't know, she's a lot less spry and lively than I feel like she should be, if that makes I mean, sense. Poseidon isn't an absolute monster in it, so it helps yeah. to take some liberty. <laughs> yeah, um, Poseidon is a much more reasonable figure, and Hades is much more of a dickhead, so, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, poor Hades. I'm always getting the, yeah. the bum rep. Yeah. I, this yeah. is a sort of tangential answer, but I think the way that they did the mythology in the newest God of War is really great. And we've talked about this before, and we'll probably eventually talk about it on a detailed diatribe, but <laughs> the way that they handle the gods in that game are so cool, especially Balder, who is, you know, one of his main traits is he's beloved by the gods, but in the God of War mythology, all of the gods are assholes and terrible. Yeah. So naturally, he's basically like the boss jock of Asgard, and it just, it works so well. It's great. Yeah, Baldur's the worst. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't really do better than uh, MCU Loki. I mean, he's got to be the best <laughs> best example of that. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I really like the version of Lucifer in the TV show Lucifer, but I think that is also based on a Neil Gaiman comic, so that might just be uh, copying Dom's answer. <laughs> allegedly. It's based on the version of Lucifer present in the Sandman comics, but mm. I call that an in-name only because, like, yeah. Lucifer in the comics is jarringly inhuman and, like, ethereally beautiful. Like, there's a whole arc where basically he hands over the keys to hell to Morpheus and is like, fuck you, I'm retiring. And then he leaves, and then he's just yep. gone. <laughs> He's solving crimes on the streets of Los Angeles. Spunky. Yeah, I, I can't believe they had the gall to write a story wherein Lucifer is just hanging out on Earth and he solves crimes. That's the least interesting possible tack they could have chosen. So Sandman Lucifer would never. <laughs> um, oh, God. I think All right, anyway. I will, I, I will anyway. go to bat for Earth's Mightiest Heroes version of Thor. I, you know True. what? Fuck yeah. it. That's, the, that's like the best version of Thor, and he's got very little in common with the myth version, and I don't care. <laughs> awesome. Well, this next question comes from Bog. To all, both channels have been catalysts in me picking up and reading more classic books this year. So I've got to go for the obvious and ask what books you guys recommend. What are some of your must-reads? Ooh. Oh. Okay, we got to limit some. Like, two, three... <laughs> Otherwise, it's just, like, just watch the channel. Like, yeah. all the, the videos that we've made, like, all the topics we've made videos about, those. Read them. Mm. <laughs> I gotta say, like, two. Classic Two's probably Shakespeare's good. Valid. All of it. Sorry. I know that's two dozen books. I don't care. I mean, you're right. But if you had you're to right. pick specifically Do Midsummer Night's Dream, it's the most ethereal, mm. and I'm or so Or maybe The Tempest. Tempest that's is the other one. Tempest is really good. Midsummer Night's Dream has more interesting rhyming couplets in it. I mean, circling back, I'd recommend the Dragon Riders of Pern novels. It's hmm. kind of like it, it started a lot of the dragon tropes that everyone else stole from for the oh, next like yeah. 20 or something years. <laughs> Aragon, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> psychic bonds with your dragon and, you know, yeah. magic languages. and it's, it's also like it looks fantasy, but it's actually sci-fi, which is quite fun. Um, yeah, I haven't read them. I just I think I did like a wiki walk about them at one point because I was really curious. And there's so much weird stuff in like the sci-fi world building. Like their orbit is weird, so this like deadly rain comes through every few years because they pass through like a belt of it. I don't know. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can't go through this entire thing without mentioning Discworld. You gotta oh! get into Discworld. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Say, Discworld, like... specifically the guards <laughs> novels. That that's oh, my yeah. that's my starting recommendation. The others are all good. But, like, the guards' novels have the easiest point of entry because they're basically fantasy crime procedurals. Mm. Yeah. I, for mine, I'll, I'll, I'll give two answers. One is, is an easy answer because you can read the thing in an afternoon. Uh, the Prince by Machiavelli is oh. <laughs> really, really cool. It's really, really good. Oh, it's, it's like it's 90 pages. It's like it's nothing. You can read it in, like, two hours if you're going at a clip. Like, probably faster because I read slow. But it's, it's cool because you get to understand a lot of just like examples of things happening in history and you get a really cool look into the mindset of the renaissance where they're talking about stuff that happened like thousands of years ago as if it was like a decade ago mm -hmm. and just the way that he like seamlessly pairs examples from the contemporary like you know renaissance history with oh like this thing of like this ruler making a bad decision and getting completely screwed over yeah it happened back in ancient rome too it's like it's like same one-to-one -one. it's like really cool seeing that yep the other example mm -hmm. is the aeneid because the aeneid is really fucking good and you should yep. totally read it even though it's longer by like a lot the aeneid is super good because there's so much of like the character of like Rome as a thing just distilled into that book. Mwah. It's great. I Go will say, as I understand it, it is important to be critical when you are reading Machiavelli's The Prince. Um, 
Yeah, seeing as yeah, of course. It is kind of, it, it's got a bit of a reputation as the wannabe dictator's playbook, and, like, that's clearly not the intent, but, like... Yeah, it, it, I mean, I... Uh, longer conversation, but, yeah, it's... He is trying to explain, like, here are the way that people have done things in the past. Do you agree? Do you not agree? That it's... He wants you to think about it. Yeah, he's he's read he's writing it for you to read it with a critical eye. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Awesome. A couple good recommendations coming at us there, and sort of tying into we mentioned Discworld briefly, so we'll do a Discworld question. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, Shadow Reaper Five asks for Dominic. You know what I have to ask? Who is your favorite Discworld character? Uh, and in parentheses, they included that they know this will set off red. That was their master plan. What? Okay. Well, it's death. Oh, okay. It's 100% death. Oh. He's my all-time favorite character. <laughs> Glorious. I gotta go to bat for Vimes, honestly. Like, he's a good. He's a hard. He's in the top five, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's he and Granny Weatherwax are very similar characters, just structurally. Uh, in that, oh, we're not good people. We we struggle with dark impulses all the time, which makes us bad. Anyway, it's like guys, guys, fucking come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Granny yeah. Weatherwax sort of does good instinctively. That was one of her, like, her first introduction was when the guard, well, no, technically not because she was in Equal Rights, but in uh, uh, Weird Sisters, Weird Sisters yeah. one of her first acts was like, this, this This guard turns up, he's just killed a man who was chasing a baby, and he's like, Hand, give me the child, and the line uh-huh. is, uh, no, said Granny Weatherwax, on general principle. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. Sort of uh, summarizes the character. Granny Weatherwax and, and Commander Vimes are both the kind of character who think that because they consider doing awful things, they are awful people, and that imp- compels them to do good more, which is good, because it means they end up doing just a lot of really good stuff. Vimes is also fun because uh, he's, to date, I believe, psychically overwhelmed two extra-dimensional Eldritch Abominations trying to use him for evil, which isn't yeah. a lot, but it is weird that it happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Blue, you've got to read these books. Oh, I, so good. You know I don't have that kind of time. I, know. I actually just picked up one of the Discworld novels. Which I went one? on a little bit of a book spree. So I just, it was the only one there. But I was like, hey, Discworld, Red keeps talking about that. Yes. Uh, it's The Color of Magic. It's oh, not the, oh, it's the, the first, first chronological The yeah. very Literally first, first Discworld book. <laughs> All right. Uh... I, I defend starting with that book sometimes because it's like, okay, yes, it's acknowledged by everyone, including Sateri, that it's mm-hmm. not the best, but there's no bad Discworld books. That's so, true. like, if, if you accept that they, you know, there's, there's going to be some elements that don't quite catch on, I think it's a solid starting point. It, like, it will builds pretty yeah. decently. Mm. Discworld is interesting because clearly Sir Terry thought that Rincewind was going to be his protagonist forever. Mm. And then it was like, oops, I accidentally made a million more interesting people. <laughs> and then he just followed all of them in different series. I mean, Rincewind had his own series, but yeah, I'm glad that yeah, he branched like, out into, yeah. like, the witches and the guards in particular. Well, sometimes you can tell when someone's, like, baby's first protagonist, because it's like, this is a fairly simple concept, they're funny, yeah. but they, they've got, like, one bit, and then, you know, as they expand the cast in the world, they're like, oh, whoops, all these guys <laughs> are real people now, and they're complicated and interesting. Anyway. <laughs> yes, I will I will report back. It's fine. I haven't read any of it yet, but I, Discworld's felt like nerd homework for years, and I just never got around <laughs> to it, so I feel like I gotta go check it off the list now. That's why I've been uh, watching Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation. Yes. <laughs> you watch Star Trek, I'll read Discworld, and we'll, we'll, we'll cross the, the beams eventually. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I want everybody listening to come back to me with a, a four-page essay on, on where they think Machiavelli is being strategically sarcastic <laughs> and where they think he's being honest in oh, The Prince. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so this next question comes from Smearl. Smearl? Smearl? S-M-I-A-R-I-L. Smearl. 
you know, yeah. Smeral? Yeah. Smeral yeah. sounds yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Smeral. <laughs> to Dom and OS crew, when working with other YouTubers, especially ones you like, at what point do you stop being a quote-unquote huge fan and become peers? In my experience, well, a- it's got to be kind of a deliberate choice because it is so easy to like be a huge fan of somebody and then that can actually sort of get in the way of talking to them. Um, so hmm. on, on some level, I think you got to you gotta sort of make the decision to be like, all right, I'm going to treat this person like a regular human being and we're just going to have a normal conversation um, because, you know, that, that's how social interaction works. But I, I think, you know, the I'm a huge fan thing never really goes away. It just kind of sits in the corner and squeeze slightly. While you- <laughs> it, it's also like it's a thing that like you 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 lean into one or the other depending on what's going on so like you know like when we're chatting you know with you dom right now i'm like oh like we're, we're chatting as like as as peers you know like we're working in the same industry we're doing our stuff and then when i watch your videos i'm like ah this is dumb yeah Me. you know <laughs> so it's you have to like you have to compartmentalize it yeah it's, 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 it's not situational. just like anyone's ever said to me oh well, thanks <laughs> but yeah you know it's it's situational when you're actually talking to the person you got to talk to the person but like hmm. when you're engaging with their content i think it's okay to be like Ooh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I find the best solution is just exposure, because like I was, I was mm-hmm. absolutely like screaming inside the first time we spoke red on Tim's oh. charity stream last year. But like, oh, yeah. we were on that thing for like four hours. So by the end of it, it was like, yes. okay, I can't maintain this level of starstruck for the entire time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, you know, comrades forged in the battle of a twenty-four hour live stream. Exactly. Yeah, you know, after a while, you just kind of you, you have to chill out. You know, your your brain can't keep up that level of intensity. I think yeah. I I had this sort of moment of clarity. I, it must have been at a convention. I I think I was like watching a panel. It might have been a bunch of voice actors, actually, um, because of course a lot of people go to conventions like that because they want to be voice actors and like they want to be peers with these people, but they're also enormous fans. And I don't hmm. remember who like very gently kind of said that it is kind of weird to talk to somebody who's in full starstruck fan mode because like how do you respond to that? There there is no script for responding to that exactly. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's sort of like kind of flipped a switch in my head. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe that isn't the the quote unquote polite way to act around these people, you know, because it, it feels like it should be. It's like, wow, you would do this this incredible stuff that I really like. I need to be kind of like uh, reverent in your presence. And it's like, well, I, I thought that was like the polite thing to do. But in, in hindsight, <laughs> what are they supposed to do in that situation? Yeah. Present yes, a ring bow. for you to kiss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just yeah, trying no, I, to chill, man. <laughs> I have that problem with meeting fans in the in the real world. There's mm-hmm. only so many different ways I can say thank you because they, you know, they'll yeah. say like, "Oh, I'll be like a channel, thank you." It's like, "Oh, you know, you, you got me into this book, great." And then thank I'm like, you. "Oh no, I'm me, I'm the one making it awkward now." Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> tricky. Yeah. Not that I've been in yeah. this situation very often because who goes out and about nowadays. But one mm-hmm. of the things that I have seen done well is to kind of turn it a little bit and be like oh like what was your favorite video and then start a conversation about the thing instead of like oh we're talking about how much you think i'm great Eh, let's instead talk about this thing that we both like that is not me and that's really really useful in general to be able to do that yeah it turns into a real like person-to-person conversation about this mutual interest rather than talking about one person in the conversation which makes things more complicated yeah because like that's the thing is like you know oh when you when you see someone it's like oh my god i want to tell them how how cool they are and it's like okay you know that's great but you know i've heard that a million times but really like the the thing that everyone wants is to have a conversation with this person that they admire and respect about this thing that they both like. So yeah. it's better for everybody to, to just like kind of flip it a little bit and do that instead. And that's my, my two cents on if you ever run into someone who you really admire, 
try to be like, oh, hey, hey, hey cool, yeah. cool stuff, and then not be like, oh, you're amazing, you're the best. It's like, this is a thing that I think is cool, and I think that you think is cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot easier. But only if they want to talk, because sometimes yeah. people are busy and don't have time for conversation. But if it's at a convention, like... Yeah. It's it's clearly like more of a thing. Anyway, it can be I'm, a, I'm rambling. Well, it's it's kind of a tricky thing to balance because of course, you know, people aren't going like ah because, you know, they're they're choosing the what they think is the appropriate response. They're doing that because there's a just this like wellspring of enthusiasm centered on this this work and this person who made the work. So like, you know, it it's on some level in my experience it is a matter of being like okay well there's time for that later right now we've got to <laughs> pretend to be a normal person for a little while <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i uh i've done some like internships and work in sort of settings where there are occasional like celebrities floating around and the thing that you always have to keep in mind when you're there is like they're just here to do a job or they're just living their day like you can fan you can fangirl but you got to keep that inside a little bit because if you just externally fangirl you're gonna you're gonna lose this gig oh so you know just treat people with like respect but also maybe like get really good at just squeeing in like a bathroom stall 30 minutes later yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> it's being like ah! hold in the freak out treat them like a human being and then freak out later as we say in britain suppress all your emotions <laughs> oh yes stiff upper lip mm, yes oh god <laughs> awesome uh well this next question comes from ambient insomniac to all do you have any real life curses or blessings placed upon you they give an example um Whenever they pick up a marker, their hands always get stained, quote-unquote, uh, covered with marker, writing with stained hands. Huh. So do you have any, like, little things that keep happening to you that might be, like, a real-life Yeah, I've, or I, I've been, like, Travel curse. Travel curse. Travel curse yeah. is, is pretty, pretty real and, and pretty rough for me. I have a disproportionate amount of flights getting delayed, canceled, just bad travel experiences all the time. I can't call any to mind right now because I have done such a good job of repressing it, and it has been so long since I've actually, like, gone out and traveled places, but, like, I believe if it there's ever with a the chance volcano. for me to be, like, delayed in an airport for, like, six hours because of a storm somewhere else, like, you bet I've been there. Wait, did, yes. I, hear, did I hear a volcano? Yeah, I, as I recall, <laughs> the first instance of you telling me about the travel curse involved a volcano in Iceland, uh, and that was... Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah I, it like fucked with the engines and you oh had to do an God, emergency that's landing. Right. Holy, the, the, the foundational example. Yeah, one time I was flying back from Greece to the States and like one of the fucking like engines on the plane I was on just like, like for like there was a, a sensor that said that it was on fire. Oh so we had God. to land in Iceland and no one in Iceland could fix the plane. So they needed to fly someone out from Denmark to come fix it. So we stayed in a hotel in Iceland overnight, and then we got on the same the same plane. I was like, "Fuck, am I getting back on the death <laughs> box?" And flew back out. But I was like, "We were we were like at altitude, like over the the North Sea, and it's like, hi, um, we're going to be uh, experiencing some turbulence because we think there might be a fire in the engine bay. Um, yeah, uh, we're going to be making a descent." And I'm like, I look out, it's there's just water. I'm like, yeah. are you sure about that? Uh, we ended up making it to Iceland. Fine. There seems to be an error that there was not actually a fire, but it really seemed like there was something else. Minor was broken, but like, yeah, that, Oh man, that came rushing back at me all at once. But yeah, yeah. no, I almost, I thought I was going to uh, die in a plane crash in the North sea this one time. <laughs> oh, no. At some point in your past blue, did you Fun. blind the Cyclops? Because that's <laughs> a pretty extreme curse. <laughs> 
I mean, I I am Greek, so there's a chance it goes back that far. You told Poseidon to gargle your nuts one time, and he's just been fucking with you. <laughs> Sorry, I probably should have timed that better. I could see you were drinking tea. <laughs> Actual um, spit take that, in real life. That's that, amazing. Dear audience, is the audio of the spit take. <laughs> Um, hey Poseidon, uh, would you like to try this tea? It's Sugandese. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I uh, I have a hardcore food curse. If I if I make it, I will destroy it. If I order it at a restaurant, it will be wrong. If I order it for delivery, they will not be able to find me. It's every time I get involved in food. So I had Le- um, less dramatic. I had a minor travel curse for a little while, but I think it was kind of like like whether or not it was a curse was actually arguable because uh, uh, basically at one point I, I visited New York City because I had a lot of friends and relatives I wanted to be there, but I was kind of speed running through it. It was like, you know, I only had four days in the city, uh, but that was also the winter uh, where everything froze <laughs> and my train yeah. was delayed two days in a row. Which meant I had two extra days in the city to hang out with people who I hadn't otherwise felt like I had enough time with. Uh, and then uh, for like some time after that, every time I visited New York, something would try and keep me in the city. Something would get delayed or something would get canceled. Um, it has since waned. Uh, but for, for a little while there, it's like I, I traveled to the East Coast and it would be like, now you can't leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah I, yeah, I I totally forgot about the the, the Iceland example. It's it's like the in my my philosophy book. Don't read it. It's it's bad. Uh, like the very beginning of it is is the the explanation of that story that I wrote the night that I was in Iceland because mm-hmm. I was too like fight or flight to sleep. So I wrote this thing like explaining what happened, and it was apparently very funny when I posted it on Facebook. And I was like, ah, so I can die at any moment. I better start like creating like things so then i started writing philosophy yeah Uh, (laughs) oops i feel like i i don't really have like any serious curses i've observed uh i've kind of got the opposite like almost everything i bake works out really well uh with with the one too perfect darn (laughs) with the one caveat that i tried making some gluten-free brownies for a friend in high school and i didn't know that you can't just substitute in gluten-free flour for regular flour and they came out Mm. edible but they smelled extremely suspicious (laughs) a friend of ours was like if i didn't know you as a person i think you brought in weed brownies and i was like they're just (laughs) gluten-free so as someone who just recently discovered they were gluten intolerant i can say all gluten-free products are awful anyway so Yeah, it was yeah. tricky. Um, yeah, I have a long-running dice curse. Um, dice curse, yeah. Because uh, mm. every time I buy, so I play a lot of D and D. Oh, nice. And yeah, it's it's good. To t- it's great. Get out there and roll some dice, kids. But every time I buy a set of dice specifically to use for a character I'm playing, that character like dies next session. It's happened every time except for once when I think I used the power of Twitter to break it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I tweeted out, I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm playing a new campaign soon. Should I buy dice? Should I test the curse? And everyone overwhelmingly was like, yeah, absolutely. You should test the curse. Like, why would we tell you not to? It's not funny that way. Um, but those Twitter, the dice I bought from that, that tweet are the best set of dice I have. They roll so many crits. Oh, man. <laughs> nice. That character has not died, although she does go down a lot, but that's because I rolled a character <laughs> that made Constitution or dump stat. You can just say you played 5e. I can just say I played 5e. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I feel like that's the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've got my stack of AD&D books behind me to like up my D&D street cred, but I'm no, playing 5e up here. <laughs> um, 
I mean, no shame. I did the yeah. same thing, but like, <laughs> Constitution's always the dump stat. <laughs> yeah, I like to make wisdom my dump stat these days. I think it's funny and it comes up a lot. But uh, con is a safe bet, also. Um, I feel like I, I have ADHD, so I feel like a lot of things that would be like real life curses are just things that. I can't tell. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if this is a curse or I just do this thing. Like, I walk into a room and I forget why I walked in and then I oh. just stand there in the middle of the room for, like, five minutes. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah, I mean, you if know? we can count that, then, yeah, I'm all yeah, over that yeah. particular curse. <laughs> Cursed by a bog witch and now my serotonin levels are always low. <laughs> mm-hmm. But on the plus side, I'm immune to caffeine keeping me up. <laughs> when I discovered that other people get a sense of satisfaction from completing jobs, I was angry. Right? Blue. <laughs> 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 All right, I'll leave. I'll leave. I'm not wanted here. That's fine. That's fine. Is there, like Loud someone empties the gang. dishwasher and their brain rewards them. Get out of here. Right? <laughs> but on the flip Ugh. side, I count hyperfixation as the opposite of a curse because I get so much shit done. I mean, it's a tr- it's a true double-edged sword, you know. Sometimes, because if you don't, if you're not fixated on the right the thing you're supposed to be doing in that moment, it could actually be a, a huge problem. Like, but, yeah. why am I going about my work day and I'm not focused on the work day? You know, it's. It's odd, actually. I like the fact that I managed to make it through college with completely uncontrolled ADHD uh, and a schedule I didn't really set myself is kind of astounding. Like looking back on it, and you know, obviously my sleep schedule was trash, but somehow I kept keeping ev- all the plates spinning. Uh, and I'm gonna count that as another anti-curse uh, <laughs> in terms of like I-, I figured out a way to weaponize it, <laughs> harness it. Nice. Make yeah. it work for so you. So Red yeah. is like um, hoarding all the good juju for her, and the rest <laughs> yeah. of us are just suffering from various yeah. curses. If anyone read the Diana Wynne Jones Crestomancy books, uh, uh, oh yeah, speaking of book recommendations, the Diana Wynne Jones Crestomancy books, uh, there's one uh, book where uh, the main character is a young boy, and his older sister is uh, an incredibly powerful witch, except actually she's been burning his powers to use as her, as her own. Ooh. So what I'm saying is, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> sure mm, that specific that thing i just described not doing it i was yeah. i was going to say though the 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 opposite of my like oh yeah I, I get serotonin from doing like random chores and shit the flip side of that is that if the space i am in is messy i can't think straight Ooh. Huh. it's bad <laughs> so yeah that's why it's like oh coming off of a wedding houses you know there's stuff everywhere it's like oh you know that it's okay it's like it's not a big deal it's like oh wait but i can't actually think straight haha <laughs> oh you know what i'm really bad at keeping plants alive i managed to kill five succulents mm. at once one time the only way i've kept the one i have going is by neglecting it mostly yeah succulents are picky you gotta just kind of like leave them be it's i watered them twice in a the week and they all litter. died out of spite yeah that'll ridiculous. that'll do it yeah it's too that'll much it's too much rot, man. see i went cacti to avoid that very issue they are very low maintenance yeah True. but that means if you try and maintain them <laughs> Then they kill If we get onto plants, we're going to be onto plants forever. So we'll move on to our last question. Okay. Of the uh, this one comes from Phantom Cat to all. Hell is adding a new circle and has asked you to create it. It can be as severe or petty as you'd like. What would you create and what kind of people would go in this circle? Okay. Well, first we got to agree on what, what the circle is for. Right. And then we right. can figure out the punishment. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't you guys do a whole video about making circles of hell for college? Yeah, yes. but that was more uh, <laughs> corresponding college uh, to pre-existing circles of Dante's model yeah. of hell. Gotcha. Uh. Um, now, do we want to, like, make this the 10th circle, or do we want to, like, put in, like, a new level 3 or 4 or 5? I'm tempted like... to do Limbo 2! <laughs> um... Limbo 2, but the bar is lower this time. Hey! <laughs> well, Limbo is pretty boring anyway. Um... 
I'm trying to think of something that's not like insanely specific because my first thought is the people who make movie tie-in book covers. Oh. <laughs> oh. No, that's fine. We can make that because yeah, like Dante has do some pretty like specific subsections within the the, the yeah. circles of hell. I feel like we can do yeah. People who so, make the shitty movie tie-in book covers and people who use poser models for book covers instead of just commissioning an artist. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, the death of the romance novel cover is. Ooh, ooh, tragedy. people who steal art in general, like yes. people who just read like uh, ooh. art thieves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, art, yeah. Thieves. art thieves, and not in a fun way, not like in a heist. Mm. Like yeah, you're heisting stealing art, someone's that's art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> heisting art, that's fine as long as no one gets hurt. <laughs> So like, there's actually, crimes, there's a but circle if you're going in, to commit a crime. There's a circle in Paradiso for people who right-click save as NFTs. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, All so right. what would happen to the art thieves in the yeah, whatever, like, circle like, six thievery? Like, I don't really specify, remember. Like, like the one. plagiarizers, you know, like... Yeah. I think just we've got all these art crimes bundled together. I feel like we're making like yeah. circles 7.5, you know, because sure. those are the ones that get like subdivided into mm-hmm. uh, bolge, bolges, bolge, bolge, bolge. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, if we're if we're essentially just lumping in all the shitty art stuff into there, um, hmm. yeah. I think yeah. a good punishment would be like every time you create anything, someone else gets credit for it. Ooh. Mm. It it only goes viral as a meme with your signature scrubbed off and everyone yeah. just knows it for like whatever the purpose of the meme is. Uh, yeah. Or like mm-hmm. you post it and then after the fact you realize like, oh shit, the way I posed this, it kind of looks sexually suggestive from the wrong angle. and But then it's yeah. already gone. Or you drew the hand backwards and the thumbnail for the overly sarcastic <laughs> podcast one year anniversary. Yeah. I feel bad because I noticed that, but I was like, it's probably a stylistic choice and I just didn't say no. anything. Yeah. It's fine. I, I feel like within hell, one thing you can do is have like, for all the people who are just kind of mingling in there, like whatever else is going on, people will come up to people next to you and loudly praise them for something you did. Okay, guys, guys, I have <laughs> right a new idea. <laughs> I have a new idea. The new okay. circle, circle 7.5 is Hell's yeah. Coffee Shop. It's a break. It's, it's a break along the way down to Hell. Uh, but it is also absolutely terrible. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's actually exactly like one of those Starbucks reserves where everything inside <laughs> is really shiny and pretentious, but none of it quite works as it's supposed to. And it's got all these signs around about how you really got to savor the bean, but all the coffee's roasted into oblivion and tastes really bad. Nice. <laughs> so just a Starbucks reserve, but in the... Yeah, a Starbucks reserve circle uh, in hell. Circle 7.5 <laughs> of hell, yes. But then there are, like, coffee snobs loudly proclaiming how good it is right next to you. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the menu has way too many options. Uh... But, you know, everyone's always, like, being really awkward in the line. Whoever's in front of you is taking fucking forever. Uh, everyone else seems to many... be... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's got too many options, but it doesn't have the one thing you want to order. Yeah, you yeah. want to get, like, just a regular mocha. Yeah. And they're like, sorry, we don't have that. <laughs> and everything is names like cocktail names, like ridiculous, over-the-top bullshit. <laughs> and they will not listen when you're like, I just can I just get, like, re- regular coffee with, like, a shot of chocolate syrup? And they're like, sorry, we don't do substitutions here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If oh, you want the those... dirty spank on the beach, you're going to have to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have those uh, charging plates that only work if you're, like, holding your phone down like you're doing CPR on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh it doesn't have any tables it's just got those like stand-up benches because they really like hostile architecture and they don't want anyone hanging out for too long 
Um, other people seem to have really delicious drinks, but you don't know how they got them. <laughs> so what's the what's the crime that gets you banished here? <laughs> yeah. We can just put the art crime people here. I don't know. Okay, so it's completely unrelated. It's just this is the thing you will not enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, a lot of the punishments aren't really that related. It's like, oh, you're upside down in a pit that's on fire because you uh, told a God to kiss oh, your butt one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or so. additionally, in addition to like all of that, the the that circle of hell is for people who were like who did not follow social etiquette while in coffee shops. Like mm-hmm. they hogged the table for way too long. Like they were listening Refused to music masks. without headphones. Yeah, yeah, no masks. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's for them. Yes. Well, Hell's Coffee Shop will wait for no man, but it'll have to wait for us because we come up on time on the podcast. Hey. Uh, Red, you want to take us out? Are you nope. ready for that? Are no. you equipped this mentally to do part. this? Why would, I, why would I break my streak now? Um, I guess this is a bit that we do, isn't it? Yeah. We do this. I, yeah. I would yeah, say see, it's a bit, except it's... <laughs> It's a, it's, it's a great natural. way to end, because like, you're sad the podcast is over, but you get to enjoy Red's increasingly belligerent out- outro. It's amazing. Yeah, there, you, there's one you. last like huzzah before the show ends. Well, it's nice to be appreciated. Mm. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. If you want more, there will be more in two weeks. Uh, and there's also like 30 earlier episodes so you can spend like a full day and a half listening through that probably yeah. uh if you are interested in any of the stuff we talked about today uh our channel is probably linked in the show notes and dom's de- uh, channel is definitely linked in the show notes and you should check it out it's very fun uh you can also watch a korean odyssey on netflix uh it's 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 neat it's weird some of the effects are pretty dumb but that's okay um let's see oh yes uh pins black friday sale check that out have fun with that um Please don't all clamber over each other at once. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out if we're going to be doing anything else in that dimension eh, next year, probably, which is coming up alarmingly quickly. Anyway, uh, until next time, <laughs> I've been Red. I've been Blue. And I've been Dominic Noble. And this Woo. has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on December 8th, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube for even more great content. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. Also, consider checking out the channel of our guest Dominic Noble or any of his social media and related projects. Links to that can also be found in the show notes below.